Living the Truth is a podcast for creative humans who don't like to fit in a box, who have multiple passions to follow, who are curious and eager to forge their own path in their own unique, messy, and human way, who are ready to make things happen on their own terms and in their own time. This is a safe space for honest, deep, and meaningful conversations about living your truth out loud as a creative. of the fourth season of the podcast. I am sharing my chat with Agnes today. Agnes is an artist and creator of the online shop We Are Stardust. I love that name. I asked her about the story behind this name and she says, We are all made of atoms forged in long dead stars, hence the name We Are Stardust. How beautiful is that? We Are Stardust is a print design shop where art and science collides. She is also a freelance science communications consultant. If, like myself, you don't know what that is, keep listening to the conversation. In this episode, we talked about her journey of combining science and art, creating a niche market for herself, going freelance, doing things her own way, and how she's making it all work. Her artwork is absolutely gorgeous. Her story is the last of the series. I'm super happy to share her story with you all as her story is a testament to doing things in our own unique, messy and human way. I am sure this episode will also give you the permission to do things in your own way too. I hope you enjoy listening to the conversation. Hi Agnes. Hi, Hira. I'm so looking forward to our conversation together. How are you doing? Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm doing well. I've been listening to your um, podcast and I just love it. So I feel very honoured that you've invited me to be part of it. Oh, thank you so much. It means a lot to hear you say that. Do you mind uh, telling us a little bit more about you, what you do and where you are in the world? Yeah, so I am... I'm based in Bedfordshire, which is just north of London in the UK, and I do various things. <laughs> so um, possibly most people listening to this will um, know me from Instagram and where I'm We Are Stardust, which is my um, print design shop where art and science collide. So each design, there's cards, prints and nature guides. Um, each design has a fact or um, story that captures um, something interesting about the natural world um, through both art and a little sort of scientific explanation as well. Um, so that's one facet and that's an online shop. Um, and then the other thing I do is I'm a freelance science communication consultant, <laughs> which what is that? That is um, working with scientific institutions, academics to um, to make their research uh, accessible to people who aren't academics. Mm-hmm. I can explain more about that if that's helpful. But, um, so that's another part of, of what I do. And then I am also a mum, which takes up um, some time as well because I'm the main um, uh, caregiver for that as well. You are amazing. You do all these amazing different things, which I absolutely <laughs> love about your work. And especially the uncommon combination of science and art that you do in your work. I Mm. absolutely love it. Oh, thank you. I'm curious, how did it all start? What did the journey of getting here where you are now look like? Yeah, I love this question. And I think, like many of us, it probably started in childhood. Um, So I was brought up um, to be just interested in lots of different things. There was never sort of this distinction between art and science. You know, the first place that I explored was the back garden, which my mum made a lovely wild place. Um, And I used to do, you know, treasure hunts and draw maps and um, collect things and draw what I'd found, that kind of stuff. Um, And I guess that kind of fascination with exploring the world has just carried on. Unfortunately, at school, I feel like you're pushed either towards being someone who likes science or someone mm-hmm. who likes art. Um, and I don't know, I always fit, never fitted quite into one or the other. I was always somewhere in between, um, which was quite frustrating, especially when it got to university where, oh, well, I, maybe I didn't have the foresight, but I couldn't find or 
see how I could combine the two in a degree course. So in the end, I think much like with your story, I chose one of the science which um, culture tells us or society tells us is the one that will be more lucrative in terms of careers. Mm -hmm. um, and I studied natural sciences up at Durham where I still couldn't decide even which science to <laughs> study. Um, I found them all so interesting. So I did biology, chemistry and anthropology. So cultural anthropology, um, you know, where particularly health, so where our different health um, attitudes come from, from different cultures, and also the history of humans. So looking back at our evolution, which I found that all really interesting. And um, kept drawing, kept uh, making stuff, you know, on the side. It was really, you know, when I was going through difficult times at university, drawing and creating things was a real strong outlet. So I kept making things and then ended up finding this very niche course for my master's called um, Science uh, Media Production. So that's for people who want to go into sort of science documentaries on the radio, on TV, which is originally what I thought I'd like to do as a way to try and combine the two, these two sides, because I just couldn't find a way to fit them together. Um, and that course was really interesting. It was a year long at Imperial College in London. So, you know, lots of um, stuff to go and see, go and do, lots of things to absorb. Um, and then after that, I went to work in TV for a little while. Um, but it's a tough gig, TV. <laughs> you have to either have some way of supporting yourself um, independently from that or be quite lucky. So you have to work for on a very low wage and very long hours for quite a while, like two to three years probably, um, before you start getting your name known, getting out there and um, and getting regular work so I was having to take on extra jobs so I had another job at the Science Museum in London which I loved at the weekends I used to do um, science shows to kids on the interactive galleries <laughs> which for an introvert was quite <laughs> quite scary but it really helps I think in the long term my sort of confidence in talking to people is definitely in front of audiences has definitely come from that just making a fool of myself exploding hydrogen bombs and things like that you know a balloon sorry not bombs um <laughs> in front of loads of kids that would have been awful um yeah, so um so then I was sort of doing the all these three jobs for about a year um the other one was working as a steward at the Albert Hall bizarrely um, and it was, as you can imagine, pretty exhausting. And London's next, it was all in London. It was an expensive place to live. And, you know, after a year of that, I was still just scraping by. Um, so then, you know, just sort of by chance, a job came up at a university. The, the other thing was TV. It was, I'd hoped it would be quite a sort of poetic experience, you know, filming beautiful things and talking to fascinating people. But the experience I had was that it was, all extremely last minute everything um which didn't really suit my character um and it's entertainment in the end so a lot of the stuff i was working on had to be quite showy a bit silly one of them was a kids program i worked on and it just didn't really fit with how i wanted to be doing my work if that makes sense so yeah, I um, started looking for other things and this job at the university at Imperial College came up working with the, at the Institute for Global Health. So I thought that might have, had, might have more meaning, um, might be able to make a bit of a difference in the world. So the researchers were doing really important health research on topics from you know, childhood pneumonia to HIV to um, uh, malnutrition, just a huge range of things. And my job was to try and make sure their academic research got out of just the academic sphere and it may perhaps into policy or to the patients who needed that information. Um, so I really enjoyed doing that work and I sort of stayed in that kind of role for quite a long time. And I, that's basically what I'd still do in my freelance stuff. And I moved around different universities, including the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, where I was for quite a while, which I loved it there. It's quite a it almost harks back to that time of being a kid in the garden, you know, exploring all these weird and wonderful territories. <laughs> they had, you know, rooms full of mosquitoes and cockroaches and strange things in jars. It was quite a brilliant place. So yeah, I was there for quite a while as well. Um, but throughout all of this time, 
there's you know in science communication I'm always talking about someone else's work and what they're doing and how amazing their stuff is um, and I wanted to do something for me I also remembered being back in the science museum at the shop there that the shop was really fun there was loads of fun stuff for kids but really not that much fun stuff for adults there there are lots of books which are all very interesting um, but if you're not if you're not someone who's interested in going to read more about science, then you're unlikely to go and buy that book. Um, so there was sort of another side of it of um, the way that science is being communicated or talked about in science communication didn't quite sit with how I saw it. Um, and this is a bit I always find really hard to explain. So. Uh, it's sort of a bit sort of top down, you know, let me show you some fun stuff. Um, and the sort of the way of so how science can help you see and understand the world. I felt like that bit was missing. So I really wanted to try and marry all these things together as well as doing something for myself. And I, I came across this idea of doing a shop after being at the Science Museum looking at their shop. And originally it was going to be lots of different products all with different sort of science facts on them and beautiful drawings and really, um, you know, well-designed um, objects. Um, but then as I started creating, as is often the case, things sort of changed. So I started, I think in 2003, I started an Etsy shop with just a few cards. And with my, I was still working full time. And then I went down to four and a half days a week and started doing a bit more on my, um, on We Are Stardust. Um, to the point where I sort of relaunched it with a new brand and my own website and a slightly more coherent presentation. Um, I then got a promotion, which meant I could go down to four days a week <laughs> and um, worked a whole day a week on We Are Stardust, which was a, a, a nice balance at that time. But unfortunately, the job that I was um, in were, ended up sort of fizzling out towards the end. It was quite a stressful job really interesting lovely people but just an unfortunate um uh situation um i don't know how much you know about academic research but it's all funded on small short-term grants like three to five years and the money was running out and it was kind of cobbling stuff together and it was all just getting quite stressful so i, I decided to go freelance I had about three months worth of savings and i thought i'll give it a go for three months and if that doesn't work i'll get another job um, and I'd also secretly hoped that I would then be able to get a better balance with the Stardust as well. And thankfully it worked out. So I started doing three days a week on my um, freelance work and then two days a week on the Stardust. Um, so it's quite a long explanation. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, uh, so yeah, I was doing um, three days a week we are, uh, freelance Stardust, but then I got pregnant. It would have been great when I was working at the um, university where you get excellent maternity pay, um, but I'd just gone freelance, so didn't have any maternity pay apart from the statutory stuff um, from the government. So I ended up having to really work hard on my freelance stuff because in my mind that was the quickest way to make money that I could then save up to take off maternity leave. So I was still doing We Are Stardust, but it wasn't to quite the extent to the as to yeah as what I would have liked um, and then took my little one came along November 2017 I took about nine months off and then sort of started again of November December last year and so I feel like this last year has really been um, where I've managed to get the balance that I would have liked as close yeah as close to what I would like it to be as possible finally after all those years <laughs> so yeah that's uh that's I'll stop there there's one more I could say but I'll stop there <laughs> no no go ahead I'm really enjoying uh, the, the learning uh, how it all came to be yeah I find those stories really fascinating as well because I think um from the outside often looks sort of all fully formed but on when you really hear the story behind it, it's kind of a mishmash of bits and pieces all over from yeah. all over the place that kind of end up to where you are now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think the only last thing I was going to say over the last year was, um, which will come up in some of the other questions, I think, is obviously having um, my little girl Linnea has meant um, 
I've had to be very strict with my time, which I think I probably wasn't before. So it, although it's been hard because sometimes if I'm, if she's ill or her childminder was ill, I just have to suddenly stop a day of work um, and somehow fit it in elsewhere. <laughs> um, it's also um, been a brilliant lesson for me in um, learning to say no to things and being quite strict with how I um, divide my time. Right. That makes so much sense. And I love the level of self-awareness that you had when you were telling your story. Um, I was thinking about when you were a child and you were already thinking about that these two things are that I really love learning more about. And they seem so different. But when you, you went to the university and you were uh, consciously looking for options that can you know, really nurture that side uh, or that desire or that curiosity of yours, it was really amazing listening to that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, for ages I was really torn. I nearly, um, you know, I was like, should I go and do an art foundation course or should I go and study science? It was really that clear, uh, the two options. But um, yes, eventually you kind of find your way back to the stuff that you, you, you make, find a way to make it work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And listening to your stories is making me believe that it's possible you know oh good that's really nice of it <laughs> i was wondering um you mentioned that you now work as a freelancer and you manage we are stardust a few days a week well how many were there two or three i think so it was two um but now so since the um Linnea came along i've only been i'm only working three days a week Mm -hmm. So I was doing two days on my freelance and one day on We Are Stardust, yeah. But I think having very clear boundaries has actually meant I've been, I've been more dedicated than perhaps I was before. Yeah, that makes so much sense because when you have all that free time in your hands, you become, I don't know, you become overwhelmed and you mm. don't really have an goal in your mind because, you know, you are now, now that you have, your kid, you are also responsible for that, you know, for another life. So you have yeah. to make it work somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think um, my sort of perfectionism has died down a little bit. <laughs> um, in that, you know, if I don't put it out now, I don't know when I'm going to do it. So it's not perfect, but it will have to do. Yeah. I'm learning that lesson <laughs> right now. I'm, yeah, I'm still learning it. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of touched upon it a little bit before, but uh, do you want to say something more about um, your passion and why do you do whatever it is that you're doing or trying to do? Why is it really important for you? This is a really good question and something I want to explore a bit more this year, sort of the purpose behind things, behind what I'm doing. I think... Primarily, it's for me, <laughs> because I love learning about the world through these two different um, disciplines. Um, you know, this science, I think, can sometimes be, the way it's taught at school is quite dry. You have to learn all the facts and then regurgitate them. And, um, you know, quite a few subjects were like that for me in science. Um, but it's really sort of my parents' passion, I think, and their love of learning, curiosity about the world that's kept this kind of flame alive. Um, and that science is really just another way of exploring and understanding um, the world around us. And uh, so I love learning about the world like that for myself, but I also hope... Um, that I can inspire others, particularly people who might have been put off by science at school or, um, you know, it's still a very male dominated field, especially right at the top um, levels that to inspire women who might have been put off by it at school as well, or feel like it's not for them, or you have to be super clever, all, the, all those kind of things that at the very basic level it's really just about looking at the world around you and being curious about what you see and find and asking questions and finding the patterns and connection which is at the bottom of all these things connection between us and nature and each other 
so I guess there's my own passion of learning about the world through art and science and then the art side is um what I love about that it's just the it's almost like a meditation when I finally let myself have the time to and space to draw or paint and it can be frustrating but um usually I after a, a an hour or two of painting or drawing it, it feels sort of exhausting but um very sort of restful and that I've really looked and observed something and seen it for you know you think you know what a I don't know a rose looks like but actually when you sit and draw it properly you notice how it curves in a slightly different way or the colors on the petal are and a little bit um darker on this side even though it looks like it's both pink but they're not really so it helps you to sort of look and observe and slow down and really take account and appreciate um uh, the world around you so it's just two different ways of really studying and understanding uh nature and our place in it and i hope that my passion and enthusiasm for that will come across and help others to um not fear both those two disciplines that um enjoy them as well and hopefully learn something about themselves through it through them too yeah i think um the way you are educating your ideal client your customers about and sharing your own passion that's what makes it all worthwhile you know yeah yeah and i i think um i was just while you were telling uh, more about your own passion and why you love doing it i was constantly thinking about the way we kind of separate art and science in the early childhood days and we think that um like the way you put it um uh, that science is more about learning facts and figures um not figures actually <laughs> facts mm -hmm. and um art is more about the creative expression but the way you are exploring both of them all together in the kind of collision that you are exploring them in it could be about finding new ways of educating just like you are already doing uh, what i really want to say is um that we could come up with new ways of teaching scientific facts in a more interactive and artistic way and i yeah. think that's exactly what you're doing oh thank you i'm um, yeah i'm really wanting to explore that a bit more this year i've come across um this chap called uh, John Muir, I think, in California, who specializes in nature journaling. Um, and I really want to learn more about this Yeah, I was thinking of maybe even, maybe in spring or something, starting a little um, group of people who, other people who might be interested in, we will just give it a go for a while. But that's a, exactly that, going out with your sketchbook, having a look at outside, at something that takes your interest, sketching it without, feeling pressure to make something look amazing which is something i'm still working on um and writing down things that you observe um you don't have to go and look up the facts or anything but just yeah just being curious about the world around you and taking time to notice which sort of taps into that kind of slow living movement as yes. well yes yes you're right and yeah i think slowing down and um taking the time to really notice your surroundings you don't really have to just like you said you don't really have to figure out the facts behind it but if you're just curious enough to observe it it mm. kind of keeps you grounded yeah that's it yeah yeah i love, love, love that and i i mean i'd love the research as well i love learning about it, the, the <laughs> stuff behind it but i think you don't need to feel the pressure to always exactly. know everything just being curious and, and thinking oh how does that work how does that work i think that will then inevitably lead you to looking it up at some point or maybe you'll just have it in the back of your mind and then you read something and you think oh that's why that works that way <laughs> yeah <laughs> when you first started um working on we are stardust what were your struggles at that point yeah this is a really good question um I think a big part was allowing myself to take um, We Are Starter seriously. Um, and I still struggle with this a little bit that, you know, sitting at the computer and doing your emails, that's real work. But sitting and drawing and painting, that's just a little hobby. So, and therefore, you know, what does it matter? Even if it's a hobby, you should spend time on it. But somehow that's less, lesser because I'm not earning money from it or I don't know. 
it's not seen as productive. <laughs> I have no idea. So I think um, that's something I really struggled with at the beginning. And for a long time, I, you know, when you introduce yourself and someone says, oh, what do you do? I just say I work in science communication. I never mentioned We Are Stardust. Um, and I didn't even realize that that's what I was doing until quite a while later. I can't remember what it was. I think it was something that I saw on Instagram, maybe from Sarah Tasker. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, just realizing that I was missing out this, this um, part that I loved, um, I guess because of fear, I'm not sure, um, or absorbing that sort of society's view that artwork is as worthwhile as sitting at the computer doing emails. I don't know. <laughs> So I think that was something I really um, I, I struggled with. And also sort of slightly fraudy feeling because I wasn't, I'm not a scientist. I'm also a trained artist and I never went to art school. So there's sort of those fraudy feelings as well. So I think that's the thing I struggled with most at the beginning. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, maybe in, in the beginning, what I'm hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, is that you were on the journey of figuring it out yourself so you didn't know how to communicate it, it to the others you know you didn't know what it is going to be like or what it is really for you even at this point yeah i think there's definitely part of that as well and i but i also think there was um fear of what their reaction would be yeah and for a long time i was worried about what other people thought that for example when i left tv and went to work at universities i thought Everyone will think I'm really boring. I still struggle with this, that people will think I'm boring um, because I'm not working in some sort of flashy TV thing. <laughs> I'm working at a university, which is quite slow and um, yeah, a bit fusty, I guess, in some ways, which I kind of love now. But um, yeah, so I think that's, that was also um, something that was in my mind, you know, what would other people think? And that it was a just a silly hobby you know what I mean um I can't really describe I'm not explaining that very well but uh, um because it wasn't earning money maybe that was it right. it, wasn't, it wouldn't be seen as worthwhile or yeah something along those lines mm-hmm. but definitely taking it seriously and owning it and telling people about the fact that I was working on something like we first started took years for me to say out loud yeah what would you say your struggles are now and how are you living your truth out loud despite all those struggles <laughs> this is a tricky question too um so <laughs> i think now they're sort of similar but i've moved on a bit so i still um struggle with prioritizing we are stardust above my freelance work um partly because it's the freelance work that um it brings in more money and obviously need to pay bills and things um <clears throat> but it's also kind of that kind of quack catch 22 thing you know if you don't spend so much time or something then it's not going to earn money or maybe that's just my another story who knows you need to work hard on something to earn the money so i think that's a bit an area that i'm still sort of struggling with making sure i prioritize a thing that brings me um a lot of joy Um, which at the moment is we are stardust um i really like my freelance worker too but definitely the passion is in in we are stardust um i think the thing that i also struggle with is having this sort of very limited time um so having to be very boundaried and strict with how i strict sounds horrible boundaried (laughs) about how I um divide up my time and prioritize things so at the moment it really is um my family you know my little family here and uh my work at the moment that's that's the main thing it does mean that other things I can't do which I might have done before like going out and meeting friends or going out for meals in the evening that kind of thing I need my sleep. I'm up at very early in the morning with a little one. Um, and I need my sleep to be able to do the work that I want to do. So that's something that I struggle with. Um, and the other thing is practicing kindness um, towards myself for if I don't manage to do things on time or whatever, <laughs> according to the plan. Um, so the other part of that question was how am I doing things despite that? all that and um 
I think it's kind of a combination of stuff. I've learned that I need to plan, which I was never very good at before. <laughs> I've, I've been using um, Josephine Brooks, who's on um, Instagram. She's a sort of planning expert and she has this 12 week planner, which I tested out earlier last year and I found really helpful so that in my very small pockets of time, I don't have to think, oh, what am I going to paint now? What am I going to do? Do I need to put something on the shop or should I take some photos? Instead, it's all written down what I need to do each week. And that's really helpful. Takes away quite a lot of um, my usual indecision. Indecision time are quite incisive. So that's really helped. Um, what else has helped? I've made sure, I've tried to make sure that when I have my We Are Stardust day, I start it with drawing and painting rather than answering emails or, or things like that. So that's another way I'm trying to make sure that I prioritise um, um my creative outlets <laughs> um i'm also trying to make sure that i tell people that i, I also do we are stardust as well as my freelance work so owning that a bit more and then the last thing which i think is really important is um having a good support network and not just at home with family and friends but also online so i know we were both in that in ray Dodd's amazing membership group which is sadly closed now <laughs> but that, look, this last year that has been um so helpful in keeping me going and um realizing that there are other people who are struggling with similar things and having that support network has been really helpful oh I love that this podcast is coming to life or it came to life only because I think I thought there we need more conversations like these <laughs> where we can share what we are struggling with and how, um, you know, how we are figuring things out. Basically we are in the process. <laughs> yes. And I, that is, I love your podcast for that so much. It's, I've not come across anything like it. Um, and just having listened to the other interviews that you've done has been yeah, very comforting to hear so many familiar um, struggles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Um, so while you were, you know, sharing your current struggles, I was thinking more about most of them were the mindset, mindset yeah. ones, right? So I think mm -hmm. when you're starting your own creative practice or you're starting your own side, side hustle or creative venture of your own, most of the things that you are going to struggle with <laughs> is going to be mindset first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what I would think? totally agree. Yeah. And I, I think I probably didn't realize that for a long time. So I would do the, I'd just beat myself up. Oh, why can't I just prioritize? Why can't I just paint every day? What's wrong with me? I've got loads of time. Or um, I don't know. Why can't I um, charge more for the stuff I'm doing? I know I need to, but somehow I can't, you know maybe no one will buy it it was all these kind of thoughts and I hadn't realized it was all, all mindset things so I think yeah you're right it's definitely a huge part of um working for yourself and I don't know if particularly in creative industry as well but um yeah that's been a real steep learning curve but very helpful and it's helped me in other you know parts of my life as well not just in work yeah I think th that's very right because obviously we are our businesses so our mm. values kind of represent the values of our businesses because we are running our our passion projects are coming to life because you know we find them really joyful and they represent who we are as a person so yeah. that obviously impacts our general well-being and general life it's not yeah. quite separated from the business itself yeah yeah definitely yeah, and I think just um, over time, you know, that part of that not being able to tell people about what I about we are Stardust was also, I guess, a bit of um, you know, worried about what other people think or feeling like I don't really fit in anywhere. Even within the science communication community, of which there is one in the UK, very small, but there's quite a few of us. <laughs> um, you know, people working in science museums, people working for science festivals in universities. Um, there's quite a few different people working in this sort of niche field, but even in there, I didn't feel quite like I'd found my voice or found a space. So then to just suddenly feel confident enough to say, oh, this is what I'm doing. That's obviously going to take time and work to feel um, 
like you're you're worthy of that and you which everyone is but you just have to recognize it yeah. <laughs> um yeah so that mindset stuff yeah is is um is key is the foundation i would say mm. um but i just i think i've said it too many times already <laughs> but i just love mm. how niche um your work is how you have created a niche for yourself and your own work oh thank you you know it was also partly um you know without you could kind of do everything couldn't you so this it was a way of kind of helping me to hone down on some on a particular topic I always think oh maybe I should go and do something really mad and experimental um maybe next year I'll do I, I'd like my word next year to be something along the lines of playful or, um experimenting so that I can loosen up a little bit uh, yeah so but it has been really helpful and I really um to have that cool theme and I do really enjoy kind of exploring this intersection and um what it can learn and that's a bit I'm still sort of figuring out the kind of purpose side of it I just enjoying it I think is a good uh path to follow just follow what you enjoy and see where it leads you yeah and uh, your work is kind of an example of doing things your own way and seeing that whatever your own way of um perceiving things or looking at things is your perspective uh you can make it happen on your own terms yeah yeah definitely and it's it's that finding your community and i think i've been very lucky that particularly through instagram i've managed to find people with whom i do resonate um and you know people have shared really interesting facts and stories and um you know when i did that launch my fern nature guide in autumn last year there were people sending me photos of ferns from the us and things like that <laughs> um so yeah it's really lovely finding that community of people who share looking at the world in the same way as i do which i thought before um i didn't know if anyone would want to hear what i had to say so yeah that's really lovely that's the wonder of internet isn't it isn't it just <laughs> yeah i was thinking do do you have anything to say to someone who might be struggling with something similar in their journey uh something similar to yours where your own struggles the ones uh, that you had to face when you were starting out do you have something to yeah. say to them i think um knowing that you're not alone is really good and that um there are other people out there who will either see the world in the same way as you or are struggling with similar things that you are um being very kind to yourself which is so much easier said than done i found a wonderful way of doing that is through gratitude which i honestly about 2 years ago i would have thought was the cheesiest thing in the world but they have been really really helpful for me so um just spending so in the mornings when my little one wakes up I'm still breastfeeding here so we're sort of lying slightly half asleep still in bed and she's feeding and I think about trying to think about five things that I'm grateful for that day and how I and then intention of how I'd like my day to go I don't manage it always but um it doesn't have to be huge and doesn't have to be sitting down writing because I know not everyone has that time but um yeah just being grateful for what you have is is really helped um and owning what you want to do what you want to be so saying it out loud is really helpful even if you just say it to yourself in the mirror <laughs> start start off with um and don't wait for things to be perfect just see it as a sort of experiment or something that you're playing with just test something out okay it might not be exactly how you want it put it out there see what the response is um if no one likes it it's not a reflection of you or your worth which is always hard to accept especially when you're making things from your heart yeah. um uh but it's it's uh, something you can learn from it might be that the wrong people you're not showing it to the right people or that um it needs a bit of tweaking or maybe the wording around it needs to change so see it as a sort of experiment and a test and something exciting to learn from um and yeah just put stuff out there and see what happens and the you know the what's the worst that could happen someone doesn't buy it or doesn't nothing happen you know no one takes out no harm done anything like that that's really the worst that could happen whereas if you don't put things out there and you don't 
um, experiment or play um, or do your thing that you love doing, what's the worst that could happen? It's all bottled up inside and you never ever know if, it's, if it would work. So I think yeah, a combination of being kind to yourself, appreciating what you've got, realizing that you're not alone, try and find a community and just playing and testing stuff out and put things out there. Oh, I love that. I love that message because I know I, I would say these are the, these are the exact same things that I need to hear every day. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think so. One thing actually, which I forgot to say, that really changed how I thought about stuff was realizing that it's not about me, which is kind of a hard thing to to realize. So everybody else, obviously, the main person they're concerned about or worried about is themselves because it's hard living and working and trying to figure out this thing that's life um so they're not thinking about what you know whether you drew that one little bit of wig in the right place or not um which is the kind of thing that i worry about with my work <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think that realization you know when when that fear comes up thinking okay what is this really about? It's not really about anyone else worrying about, you know, no one else is going to care actually in the, in the grand scheme of things. It's exactly. not, <laughs> yeah. which kind of lightens the load a little bit and opens things up to be a bit more playful. Yeah. And maybe sometimes just do it for your own self because it brings you yeah. joy. You don't really have to share everything out there yes. with the world because, you know, you don't really have to, you can, it's allowed you have permission to work on something that brings you joy that's it yeah, yeah exactly i recently actually this last year i started a secret sketchbook because i was finding whenever i sat down to draw something saying oh gosh it's got to be good enough for me to take a photo of it and put it on social media <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was really crippling by the end so i decided okay i'm going to get the sketchbook and even if something's really good in there that i really love I'm not going to post it online. It's just this whole book will just be for me. And that, um, well, I haven't managed to do it so much this last half of this year, but the first half of this year was really helpful. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I haven't really mentioned it anywhere yet, but when this podcast episode will go out, it will be out there in the world, I hope. <laughs> I've recently started a 366 day project and I've made another Instagram account, which I haven't really shared with anyone yet because I want to keep you get into that momentum first yeah. and it's it's only because I really want to practice creating something every day so it's for me <laughs> yeah that's such a good idea and there's that bit of accountability which exactly. I definitely need yeah. by put, you know putting it on a public yes. platform oh, and I think really it really it really really um, I, I did I actually did a hundred day project this year and I loved it because of the process mm -hmm. and this time it's it's different because I'm doing all the artwork digitally, so yeah. Oh yeah. Oh I'd love to learn to do more digital stuff. Um this reminds me, I wanted to learn more about your creative process. Um what kind of mediums do you use and basically what your creative day-to-day -day process looks like? Yeah. Um recently it's not been that great because we just moved house and um I haven't really drawn much for ages. Although I did do today, which is going to, I'm doing um, an advent calendar at the moment on my stories on Instagram. And today I did do some drawing for that. Um, but yeah, usually when I had my day of stardust um, before we moved, I, um, you know, as, as I said, try to prioritize that in the morning. And I draw, I have lots of different, you know, so I do, I love pencil the best actually, just graphite pencil um but i've been doing more watercolors recently so all of my colored <laughs> drawings artwork is watercolor at the moment um i'd like to experiment doing other things like maybe using ink inks again and that kind of stuff um and i used to also do sort of paper collages as well which i haven't done so much recently so it is a bit of a mix um I, i'm not an expert in any of them <laughs> by any means um, so it's a lot of experimenting. I usually, before, so the final piece that you might see on a card or a print will probably take me about three or four iterations before that, before I can, before I produce the final thing that I'm happy to put, happy enough to put on the print. <laughs> um, and then I, the way I 
do the prints and cards is that I would scan the artwork in and then um, manipulate it a bit on Photoshop so the contrast is um, a bit more than it would have been on because um, my scanner is very bright so it sort of bleaches out the colour of the um, and then put it all together with text on InDesign. And then I send the final um, artwork to a printer. One for my prints, the printer is in Wales. They do art prints, so it's sort of archive quality. Hopefully it will last a while. And then the, um, the cards go to a printer in Kent. And then they send them back to me. And then I have to do all the photos and upload them and edit the photos and write the text for the, um, <laughs> for the shop and get them on there. They do the newsletters and, you know, post about it on social media. So I think sometimes people don't quite realise the amount of work to get just one set of cards or a new printout. There's quite a few steps to get. Yeah. How much time does it take for you to launch one collection of cards? Oh, so I've recently started with this sort of planner, a 12-week planner that Josephine Brooks has got. I've recently started to be a bit more organised about it because it was very ad hoc and I always felt like I was kind of chasing my tail and doing things as last minute as possible, which is a horrible way. I don't like working like that. Um, so Josephine's planners helped me to um, plan for launches three months in, in three-month chunks. So the three months before, I'll be working on the stuff that will go out the next three months. And that sort of works for the seasons, which works quite well with the fact that a lot of the things I do are nature inspired. Um, so that's what I'm working on a little bit more is having sort of a three month lead time so that it's a less of a scramble to get things done. Yeah. Up. yeah. Yeah, and also because it gives you a kind of a buffer because if something in goes wrong in the, in the process, like, you know, the delivery gets late or whatever, uh, you have a buffer. <laughs> exactly. And the thing that I often find takes the longest is the fiddling about with the original artwork. You know, in my head, I think, oh, this will this will work. And then I put it down on paper. And like, oh, that doesn't work. <laughs> I'm not saying why it doesn't work, but it doesn't <laughs> Um, and then I, you know, we do it and we do it. I think the best example of that is um, my sort of the recent star print, which is about Sirius, the brightest star in the sky. And I have been trying to draw, redo, you know, draw night skies probably for the last year and a half that I'm happy with. And it's it's taken a really long time. And it was through sort of inspiration of another artist on Instagram that I was able sort of break that barrier and try something that I wouldn't have thought of on my own um, and it works for me <laughs> so yeah it's uh, it's definitely useful having the three month um, buffer mm -hmm. yeah and also because you know um, just like you mentioned planning it in uh, in advance kind of takes that pressure off you because you're not constantly thinking about oh what do I need to do next mm -hmm. or yeah <laughs> yes, so yeah. I can relate to that yeah, and it's hard, isn't it? Because you kind of want to um, go with the flow a little bit. But I've often, when I've done that, ended up going so far off on another tangent that the thing that I wanted to do left on the slide line. <laughs> and then yeah, nothing happened. And, <laughs> and a new bright, shiny idea came and you were like, no, this is what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Absolutely. do you mind sharing us... Um, about how you are making your art career sustainable. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing you mean by sustainable, sort of financially sustainable, is yes. that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to mention a few things here that um, are to do with sort of the privilege as well side of things. So I'm obviously working part time, and that's because I have a husband who works full time who helps to pay uh, the mortgage and the bills. I've also been very lucky in that my parents have helped us um, with buying the house that we're in at the moment, which means we don't have a huge mortgage. Mm -hmm. um, so the money we have to spend out each month isn't, isn't big. So that's a kind of caveat because I think sometimes um, those things aren't mentioned. And if you haven't, you know, if you're not in that kind of situation, it can be very unfair to, um, give the idea that it's um you know it's just me working hard there's you know there's a lot of sort of privilege around around exactly. the situation I'm in and I've also got childcare which is just invaluable <laughs> it's, I don't 
how people can work and look after their kids at the same time it's so difficult <laughs> my head is all over the place so um yeah so that comes with a little caveat otherwise um I really thought about this at the beginning of last year in terms of my goals for 2019. I had to put in a goal to um, that we asked us would bring I think it was five thousand pounds in earnings. So before I took off um, outgoings, I'm sure there's a business word for that. Um, and I was actually finding in the first half of this year that was that pressure was too much. Um, so if I put something out and it didn't sell, I'd start panicking and it would make me sort of go into myself. And I also that at that time read Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic, um, some of which resonated, some of which not so much. But the one bit that I found quite interesting was this need to put pressure on ourselves for our creativity to earn us money. Um, and, and why do we... Why do those two have to come hand in hand? So she worked, she wrote, she worked full time and wrote her books outside of that time for a long time before she um, went into full time writing. And I found that really like a, a release almost, like a permission to go, okay, why am I putting myself under such pressure to make the SLS earn money? This is something that I enjoy and this is this sort of pressure to earn money is taking away the enjoyment. So I stopped counting it and um, being so um, uh, over vigilant on what, you know, how much money was coming in all the time. And as a result, I've still made my goal at the end of the year. <laughs> uh, so it's just that I think that lesson of learning to hold things lightly. And, and, and obviously I've got my freelance work, which does bring in, the money to pay the bills, so that's where I'm able, and the, you know, the privilege that I was talking about. Well, that those two things allow me to hold that lightly and and not put myself under huge pressure to earn lots of money, uh, earn the money to pay all the bills through We Are Starbucks. So I'm I'm enjoying the um, time to keep exploring and um, using We Are Starbucks as a sort of way to as a still a route to find my way as to where I want to go. Um, and maybe one day in the future, it will end up being the main earner. Um, and maybe it won't. And I'm now finally learning to be okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, because when you were, when, when you started sharing your, your answer with me, I was thinking about the exact same example that you quoted afterwards. Really? Um, yeah. And I, and I think it's really important to mention because we don't get to hear a lot of these stories uh, of what goes into making um, these these passion projects happen, you know, mm -hmm. um, because, yeah, you're so right. Many of us are coming from a place of privilege and uh, a lot of us are not. And it, it goes mm -hmm. without saying that maybe it's harder for them. And if you just say that, you know, it's just, you keep doing hard work it doesn't really answer that um yeah and also i love that part where um, that part where you said you have to keep it lightly and mm. understanding obviously that you know it is coming from a privileged place but if you start obsessing over making it happen it mm. it kind of don't only because you oh, are yes and if you start allowing it to happen that's just my experience i can be wrong it it starts to happen when you allow it to happen and when you don't really force it and you let it flow yes yeah i totally agree and i don't know quite why that i don't know the science behind that but um, <laughs> i definitely would agree with you on that there's also something about um which i was mentioned before about this feeling of my freelance work being boring um that somehow everyone wants to make a sort of rule that your passion project should be the thing that will eventually earn you money exactly um, because your day job is not interesting or not boring or or not in, yeah is too boring or something i don't know or not something where you get enough joy out of Whereas um, having worked with Ray this year, um, that was the other thing actually that I should mention is I, um, I had took on a business coach, which is really good. And that was really helpful to, in terms of mindset and making me think about how I 
live my life and work my work um, uh, in a way that brings me most joy. And instead of um, seeing as seeing my freelance work as something I have to eventually get rid of, mm-hmm. why not switch it around and make bring more joy into that and have two things that two pieces of the puzzle that bring me um, uh, joy and something um, and fulfillment. In different so, yeah, ways. With, concept that your passion project is the only thing that matters and that you have to make money from that and that has to be a thing that you'll do in the future um maybe taking that away and um uh you know it doesn't have to be like that yeah and i i would agree to that not everything we do has to bring us money and not every job that isn't bringing you joy at that moment is doesn't it doesn't need to be replaced um Yeah. yeah Yeah, exactly. Um, this bring me, this brings me to my next question. Um, how do you find motivation and inspiration to keep going on a more day-to-day basis? Yeah, so I think it really is just that I really enjoy it. <laughs> I also think having built a community online um, has helped with that. You know, there's things that I I learn or um, I draw that I want to share with people. So there's that kind of motivation, um, and you know, think this thing that I wanted to create things that other people that will yeah spark inspiration or uh, wonder for the natural world in other people. Um, that's a big motivation too. Uh, so yeah, there's sort of the, the part for me for for me to spend time creating, exploring, and learning but also the connection with other people. Right. Um, yeah, and, and talking about what, I learned, what I've learned about or what I've created with other people as well. Yeah, and I think the, the one thing that you mentioned earlier as well really plays an important part for me as well, um, the, finding the right kind of support and building yeah. a community around it. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's been really helpful especially yeah, those times when it all feels you know when I was on maternity leave I had awful um comparisonitis I think they call it where <laughs> I kept thinking you know everyone's doing all these things and I'm not doing any of these things and having if, if at that point I'd had a, a supportive community like the one that membership group we're in to be to tell me you know come on you're looking after a tiny little baby. You <laughs> expect to still also try and do all of this work. Um, that would have been really helpful at that moment. So yeah, I think ha- having um, the community to help you, number one, who love your work and want to know more about what you're doing, but number two, who can who also understand your kind of situation in terms of creative um, or a freelance lifestyle, um, and the ups and downs within that are both really helpful. Yeah, and also who can hold space for you when you are, and you know, make make you see the um, the good parts of you and your work, which you are, which you sometimes aren't able to see yourself. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Oh, it has been lovely talking to you. I have one last question for you. What does living a wholehearted creative life look like for you? Oh, this is such a hard question, but a really good one. Um, I think the crux of all of it is making time for the things and the people that you love. Um, so I think that's the crux of it. But how you get there is a combination of boundaries, kindness to yourself, um, that playfulness and holding things lightly community which we've talked about and seeking connection both for me it's for with people as well as with nature and understanding and learning about the world at a on a deeper level for me through art and science um and continuously being excited to learn about the world around us um sort of that wonder and gratitude for our time here on earth and um the people around us Oh, that's amazing. I love it. I could talk to you for hours. Me too. <laughs> Same with you. Thank you so much for being here. Where can we find you online? Yeah, so I am, uh, we are Stardust UK on 
Instagram, Twitter, and my website is www.wearestardust.uk. I couldn't get .co.uk. No, so. cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then on Facebook, it's just We Are Stardust, I think. Yeah. I'm mostly on Instagram and on my website. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. It has been really amazing talking to you. Thank you so much here. I love this um, podcast. I'm really looking forward to um, listening to the next few episodes. Thanks. Bye. There you have it. The first season of the podcast. It has been really amazing hearing all your feedback. I'd really appreciate if you could take a moment to leave a review and all the resources and links we mentioned will be over on my website herasnf.com forward slash podcast h-i-r-a-s-a-h-n-e-d dot com forward slash podcast One last thing that I wanted to ask you could you spare a few minutes and answer a few questions mine to be exact quick and short I promise a few questions to help me find my way and keep creating quality content for you the link to the survey is in the episode notes i'd really really appreciate that and as a thank you you can use the code thank you 2020 for any offering or product that i put out in the year 2020 you'll get 10% off and yeah thank you so much if you think you have a friend who might benefit from this conversation, please share the link of the podcast with them. I'm going to take a break and assess what I've learned so far. The second season is going to be different from this one. There will be bite-sized mini-episodes on the lessons that I've learned so far and I want to share them with you too. It will be out by the end of March, hopefully if everything goes right and according to the plan. In the meantime, sign up for getting a letter from me to you in your inbox every other Sunday. These letters are my favorite, favorite things to write. As if you like the safest place where I get to share my personal stories behind the scenes and resources and inspiration for you. If you are curious to find out more about me and the work that I do, come on over on my website and I'm usually present on Instagram. Come say hello at HeraSMF. Thank you so much for listening and sharing the podcast and I'll catch you in this next season.